Hi, I'm Marco and thanks for listening in. I'm a medical doctor and researcher, and my mission is to empower healthcare workers to prevent infectious diseases. Each episode is a short conversation with experts sharing their insights with us. Dr. Bob Kleber is a consultant pediatrician and director of strategy, research and innovation at Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust. He has a strong interest in behavioral insights work and leadership development. Bob is a true role model when it comes to kindness. In this episode, he explains the value of kindness in delivering outstanding care and how we can cultivate kindness in our organizations to deliver better results. I promise you that he has some interesting experiences to share. So let's welcome today's guest. I'm excited to have you on the show, Bob. Thank you very much. It's lovely to be here. It's always good to be talking about and thinking about kindness. So thanks for the opportunity. How would you describe yourself as a person and as a leader? What a good and tough question to start with. I think the most important thing for me would be about being a learner. And I guess part of my motivation to say, yeah, of course, I'll find the time to come and talk to you is I'm really interested in constantly learning and improving. And I think that plays out both as a person and I'm sort of fairly whack middle-aged and have had lots of interesting experiences over the last 46 years and very much hope to have all sorts more ahead but I'm constantly curious wanting to try and learn wanting to try and get better I think a sense of the opportunity to learn from other people other perspectives feels really exciting and I think when I think about how I work as a leader that's a really key part of who I am definitely a sense of being kind and being helpful is really important my parents instill that on me and that's something that feels really important to me and the way I try and behave with my family with my friends with my colleagues and that feels definitely key and so that's probably a reasonable start on that one. Before talking more about kindness. Can you tell us what the future leader looks like and how does it differ from the classic stereotype manager? So I've studied a lot about leadership through my career as a pediatrician. I spent a lot of time learning about education and learning and particularly around leadership, leadership development. I've done a fair bit of research in around it. And I think one of the things that people get stuck on is these sort of stereotypical ideas around leadership and management. And I think that can be unhelpful. So in lots of ways, there might be people listening who've been very involved in leadership development for many decades. And most of these ideas really aren't particularly new. I think as we look forward, that ability to be flexible, to be adaptable is really key. I think, thankfully, a lot of the traditional hierarchies in healthcare that have played out, particularly around doctors and the sort of medical power and seniority, are getting dissipated. And and I have to say, I think that's a really, really good thing. There's a strong, strong developing angle around equality, diversity, inclusion that is not going to go away, thankfully. We've scratched around the surface on that for decades, but there's a real acceleration. We're talking in our health care system in England much more about things like structural racism and how that plays out in increasing health inequalities. And 
the future leader needs to be able to listen, to be able to engage, to be able to talk, to be able to have an open mind about these things. It needs to be somebody who learns, who's curious, somebody who's able to create psychological safety for the people around them. And I think that's not always been the ask of a traditional leader certainly in our health service in England. So there's some big changes ahead. And I think they're exciting. And I think if we get it right, that can lead to a workforce that is much happier, has much less burnout, and is able to really deliver the outcomes for patients that we all want. You mentioned that there can be problems with hierarchy. And that makes me think of the BMJ piece, where you were quoted, I don't let anybody call me by surname. Why is that important? So it's a great question. And I think it's worth being curious about that piece. So it's absolutely true. I've always found when people have called me Dr. Claver, or, you know, you get called prof, or although these things can be warm in some ways, what I'm trying to do is create a sense of genuinely, we're all at the same level. We've all got the eyes and ears. The most junior person on my ward round, who might be the student nurse or the year one medical student, they may well spot something that I haven't that could help improve the care for that patient or help make the care safer. And I think names is a really important thing. If you know somebody's name and you know their first name and you've been asked and encouraged to use that name, the threshold for you saying, I might be wrong, but I'm just a little bit worried about this child's heart rate or I just noticed this if that threshold can go down a bit because you feel that the person you're talking to is a little bit more accessible then that's to safety and that has to be a good thing so I found names has been a really important thing now some people have criticized that and said being called a doctor is a really important part of their status and there are plenty of people I think particularly from more disadvantaged I'm a six foot three white male so people would quite rightly point and say yeah that's easy for you to say that it's obvious you're the doctor you know you look old and you're in that thing but actually if I'm a younger female doctor from a minority background then people may look at me and not recognize me as being the doctor so it's important for me to state that I am and and I think that's a really good point and really understandable however I think anything that any of us can do to flatten hierarchies to make ourselves more accessible to lower the threshold where people talk to us where people flag things that might be wrong that they might have made a mistake on but they're still able to feel like they can say it has to be a good thing and I personally find first names a really important thing. Thanks for sharing that. Let's dig a little deeper into the concept of kindness. What are some of the early messages that we should be teaching young future leaders about kindness? So I think the big main message is kindness is the most important thing. It is right at the heart of care. And if we are serious about delivering good, high quality care, then kindness has to be right at the heart of it. So this idea that you can be a brilliant surgeon and technically fantastic and all of this, but be fundamentally unkind to your colleagues and to your patients and the people around you is just completely flawed. And we need to completely kick that out. So kindness is right at the heart of everything that is about care. So that's the first single message. You have to put this stuff front and central. It's not soft and fluffy. It's not something on the side. It's not an additional. It is absolutely fundamental to how health and care is delivered in a way that 
leads to high quality. And there's loads and loads of good evidence around that, that kind care leads to better outcomes. People like Len Berry on the East Coast of the States have done really wonderful work with cancer patients that show kinder care leads to better outcomes. There's a growing literature around the importance of kindness and civility in the context of patient safety and staff feeling safe. So the key, key message for anybody working in healthcare and particularly people starting their work in healthcare is that kindness needs to be front and central. It's not an option. It's not something that you can do. It's an absolute must and has to be there. And the final thing I'd say at this moment is really thinking about kindness as an action, kindness as a behaviour. And we all have control over how we behave and how we act, whoever we are, however young we are, however early in our careers we are, all of us have influence around how we behave. And if you can behave consistently and proactively in a kind way, that has a really important impact on everyone around you. You mentioned that kindness is about behavior and actions. How do you use kindness in your work? Yeah, so some examples of kindness. So I think for me, I went on a bit of a journey on this and a bit of a pivot about three years ago where I made a very proactive decision to be much tougher about this, to be much more proactive about it. So I think one of the key actions that I've been taking is to try and get grab every opportunity to talk about it and think about it and share ideas with people about it. And that's been really, really important. I have a really strong picture in my head that says whatever you're prepared to walk past is what you're prepared to tolerate. So my threshold for walking past things that are unkind has really, really changed. And I will stop and haul people up around things. And you get a reputation around that. So if I see unkind behavior in the workplace with people who I'm working with, I will call them out for it. I will find opportunities to go and sit and talk to them and debrief and try and understand what's going on for them and what difficulties they're in that might be leading to this. So I will systematically challenge unkind behaviors and try to systematically role model and encourage and magnify kind behaviors. And I think you can do that really systematically. And I have in my head, if I spend the next 20 years doing that one by one by one by one, that's fine. That's a good use of the next 20 years. I think so too. Can you explain to me and the listeners how kindness is defined and provide us with some examples of unkind behavior that you have observed? Yeah, so there's a really interesting sort of growing literature that looks at things like kindness and compassion and empathy and how they sort of fit together. And I think they're slightly different things. What I found helpful about the word kindness is that people have been able to relate to it of people of all ages. So fundamentally, young children understand kindness. And in fact, people who are very old and maybe suffering from dementia and things also understand kindness. I think people feel comfortable about the idea that you can be kind to a stranger or you can be kind to a colleague as well as being kind to a patient. And I think words like compassion, people feel a little bit harder about that. Some people find it hard to think about being compassionate with a colleague. Personally, I'm fine with that, but some people find that hard. So in terms of definition, there's something about our intention and our behavior around and our actions, if you like, around how we behave. What is our intent to try and help people, to see the best in people, to encourage them, 
those sorts of behaviors fundamentally are kind behaviors. And from very, very simple things around good eye contact, around a smile, around holding a door open for people, around checking in with people that they're okay, about giving them a little bit of space, about being generous to them when they've made a mistake, about going and being a good pair of ears and listening. I think listening is such an important behavior in and around this stuff. Um, So where I've seen unkind behaviors is where those things don't happen, where people are aggressive, where people roll their eyes at people, where they raise their voice at people, where they're not helpful, where they're not generous in the way that they behave. And we see those things all the time and they're quite endemic. And I think over the last 10 to 15 years, certainly in England where I work, our healthcare system has been really quite systematically unkind. There's been a strong performance management culture that has been well-intended. It's trying to improve care for patients, but it's been delivered in a way that has been fundamentally unkind. And that needs really systematic challenging. And people like me are very, very determined and very systematic about challenging that. I do not care how senior you think you are. I will challenge you about this stuff. And there's many, many other people around like me who are very, very determined. Does not matter how senior you think you are. I will pick you up on this stuff and challenge you around it. This is fundamentally about humans and how we react and interact together to try to achieve a common purpose around better care. And so we cannot tolerate people being unkind. It has such a high impact on people. So this is a really, really serious business that we have to be very serious about. I completely agree with you and think that we will see even more focus on this in future healthcare. Let's imagine that we have two organizations, one excelling in kindness and one which is unkind. What would be the benefits that the kind organization experiences compared with the unkind organization? Well, if you look at the evidence, the evidence would say that the outcomes for patients in the kinder organization will be better. I'm willing to bet however much money I've got rustled around in my drawer, I'd bet all of it that the kinder organization will retain staff more, staff will feel more positive about their work, they'll be more productive, there'll be people who want to grow and who want to stay and be part of the organization. And in an unkind organization, they won't hang around, they'll move on, they'll be burnt out, they'll be fed up, and they'll want to sort of, you know, move on to other places. And so I think it is so fundamental to how people thrive, be they staff, be they patients, be they the local communities we serve. So it's somewhat extraordinary that we've got ourselves very confused across the globe that a number of our healthcare systems, and I am part of a big network where we're sharing learning across almost 30 different countries, and it's quite consistent. There's some variability, but it's quite consistent that many healthcare systems in the world have got quite a deep sense of sort of systematic unkindness that sits through them. And so we've got to talk about your kind organization, your kind system, and we've got to show people and demonstrate to people how it can lead to something better. Um, I'm pretty convinced it can. I think the evidence strongly supports this, and indeed common sense supports it as well. So this stuff doesn't cost lots of money to go and do. This is about an attitude. This is about an approach. This is fundamentally about leadership, um, really good leadership. Um, And that's, in my view, why we need to really, really focus and drive it through that lens. 
You mentioned that it doesn't cost anything to be kind. So why do you think that we don't excel in the art of kindness in healthcare? Well, it's a great question, and I don't really have all the answers. It's crazy, isn't it? It just shouldn't be difficult. I do think there is a very significant embedded culture, a whole set of learnt behaviours. Many of our Mm. senior leaders in our healthcare systems have got to the top by behaving in a fundamentally unkind way, by being difficult to other people at times, by being selfish in the way that they've thought about things, by putting other people down, by creating this sort of sense of I'm better than you. And that's been the sort of ask on them almost. Yeah, they've sort of fallen for it, but that's the way those people have filtered out to the top. And then it becomes a learned set of behaviors and people a tear down and a tear down are busy watching that and thinking, well, if they've had to behave like that to get to where they've got to, then maybe I do too. Now, I think the big challenge is there's a growing number of us who are quite senior, but are going to be around for a while who are just not prepared to tolerate that anymore. Um, and certainly teams that I work with, I will recruit people primarily based on kindness. If people behave in a systematically unkind way, then I absolutely move them on and away from the team. We have to take it that seriously. If we are serious about this stuff, we have to follow it up in our actions. Um, So my take is we've got to systematically root this stuff out. You have told us about the many benefits of fostering kindness in an organization. But how do you implement and cultivate a kindness culture in your organization? And do you have some examples of how you have done it? So I think it's a really good question and it's really hard. I think the trick is at whatever level you are at and wherever you are in your team or your organization or your healthcare system, you can have influence in and around you. And I guess I'm talking from a position, I'm a doctor, I'm a member of the executive team on a big NHS trust. I have some roles into national and sort of regional work that goes on in healthcare in England. So my sphere of influence plays into that space. You might be listening, you might be a junior doctor or a nurse at the beginning of their career or a therapist or a manager early on and feel like you have much less influence. So don't worry in a sense about where I'm sitting, think about where you're sitting and think about how your behavior can influence the people around you and one next door to it almost. How do you influence the people immediately around you and a little bit above you and a little bit below you in the sort of traditional hierarchies and influence them by the way you behave, by what you encourage, by what you role model, by what you call out if you can. So, you know, where you see poor behaviors, Truly try and find ways to highlight them, to flag them, to be curious. People don't behave in an unkind way because they're evil. I really believe this. They behave in an unkind way because they haven't really thought it through, because there are things going on in their lives that are making things complicated for them. And that's their sort of way of reacting. So I think there's a really important piece to sort of be curious. And the final thing I'd say is connect. Connect with other people. You are not on your own around this. I've met hundreds and thousands of people across the globe who are very, very determined about this issue. And you really will not be on your own about it. So if you have a boss who is very anti this and thinks it's a whole load of rubbish, go and find someone else to talk to about it. You will find people who are very passionate, are very clear that this is the future of healthcare. Um, So if you can't find them in your immediate vicinity, please do come and connect with all sorts of people who are really fighting a pretty bold 
approach to this whole piece. I loved your advice to connect with other people about kindness. Any recommendations on where you can connect with other people? Yeah, so social media is a really good place. And the network that I've been involved with has uh, been called Conversation for Kindness. And there's a early sort of Twitter account that a wonderful colleague of mine called Lucy's set up. So have a look at that Conversation for Kindness. And um, there's a lot of wonderful organizations. There's people, an amazing lady called Kath Crock in Australia, who runs something called the Hush Foundation. They do an annual conference called A Gathering of Kindness. There's people called the Carnegie Trust UK, who've published wonderful reports around kindness they've done some stuff around measurement they've done some work around kindness in public policy there's a small sort of consultancy in the uk called kaleidoscope that i think is worth a look they're really interesting done a lot of work and doing work in and around kindness people like len berry i mentioned before who've published there's a fantastic book called intelligent kindness by john ballett and penny campling they'd all be good things to go and read and go and connect to but fundamentally i think the most important thing is to find people in and around your own teams and organizations go and talk to them about this have you listened to this podcast go and talk to some other people about it how it made you feel which bits you think are challenging which bits left you feeling inspired connect with other people that's the single biggest thing you can do around this because you'll realize that you're not on your own thanks for the great advice once you have decided as a person a leader an organization to focus more on kindness an obvious next question would be how to measure the level of kindness in your organization and should you even do so so you can measure the question is should you measure and for what purpose are you trying to measure and i'm a quality improvement expert and very very interested in that whole space so there's a really interesting piece about where measurement might help but where it may sort of get in the way there are some really interesting measures around culture this carnegie uk trust paper on measurement is well worth looking up written by a chap called simon anderson where he discusses this a lot more and i think often the way to think about it is about people's experience people's experience of care people's experience of working and a strong a kind organization will have very positive if you like user metrics around experience and so that's probably as good a surrogate as any but do have a read of Simon Anderson's Carnegie UK Trust piece on measurement and kindness. That will give you some more thought on that front. So I have a final question to you. On Twitter, you wrote, my growing reflection that we have been too apologetic about kindness, compassion and empathy. Why do you think that is? Well, this was my pivot moment really three years ago. It's been sort of marginalized. I think people like me have made a mistake. We've framed kindness as being, I know it's really soft and fluffy, but it's important. And if you go back to my opening answer about why kindness is so important is it's front and central to everything we do. You cannot deliver high quality care without that care being kind. It's really as simple as that. And so my piece on Twitter about that is was a pivot to recognize, let's stop being apologetic about this. Let's be very, very clear. If you want to deliver as a team, as an organization, as a system, high quality care, it has to have kindness absolutely running through it. And with these final words, I would like to thank you, Bob, for taking your time to join us today. And thank you to our listeners. Please be safe and remember to clean your hands. 